0: Hey, welcome back to the CIO Show. I'm David Binning, Associate Editor with CIO Australia. There's no doubt about it, the COVID-19 pandemic has caused utter pandemonium in every level of business, professional, and personal life. The full scale of the fallout far from being completely realised. As our first guest, Accenture's Scott Hahn notes: this idea of the new normal is probably a little optimistic, preferring the term never normal. In this episode, we also talked to CIOs in three of the hardest-hit industries—travel, healthcare, and retail—about their experiences with COVID-19. Um, we've all heard about the operational challenges in pivoting to work from home and adjusting to maintain operations, communications with partners and suppliers, and the like. Zoom, Microsoft Teams, the cloud, and of course, mobile technologies have all shone bright in ways no one could have anticipated. But more interestingly, as you'll hear, COVID-19 has spurred many organizations to prioritize rather than downscale as was first feared their digital projects, increasing investment and ultimately upping the pace of innovation. As a result, the CIO appears to have seen its status within the organizational structure, especially at the board or senior management level, greatly elevated. Uh, We'd have to say this is probably the biggest technology trend to emerge from the pandemic with big implications for the future of digital transformation. Joining us on the CIO show is Accenture's ANZ Senior Managing Director of Tech Services, Scott Hahn. Scott, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, David. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Wonderful. Look, what are you what are you seeing in terms of of that acceleration of of technology projects?
1: Yeah, we're definitely seeing it, David. I mean, if you look at uh, how we're talking to clients about COVID, it's, we, we think about it in, in sort of three parts. First of all, every one of us went through an initial phase when COVID hit that was pure survival. Business continuity became the name of the game, making sure your employees were safe, making sure everyone was working from a, a safe location uh, remotely or what have you. And, and then after a, a couple of months of that, many companies have, have moved moved into sort of a revive mode, revitalization mode. And, and that is one where they're trying to get their businesses back to normal. We're trying to decide where work can be performed from as more and more of the business gets gets back to some some level of, of initial volume. Uh, but to, to tie in with what you just said, we're also seeing organizations that you know as as much of a tragedy as COVID is it's also an opportunity to look forward and get closer to the business uh, from an IT mm. uh, standpoint, an IT strategy standpoint, and really see how technology can be used to help the business reinvent themselves for the new normal, or or what Accenture is saying, the never normal yes, uh, world, right. and how we can, we can better position technology to uh, to advance uh, the organization's goals. My colleagues and I, and people in the technology ecosystem in ANZ, yeah. we like to say that there's been three years of, of digital advancement thinking going on uh, in the last three months, and it's it's really true. Uh, that's extraordinary. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. Organizations that would have never maybe considered fast tracking uh, their digital agendas suddenly now because of COVID and and I'm, I'm trying to reach my customers now in their safe place, which is their home. Now, if I've had a digital channel that was maybe off to the side, now I'm trying to build a digital channel uh, and, and reach my customers. Famous example of that is Disney that obviously had gone through a long uh, history of, of getting more and more of their business enabled by cloud and things like that. Yeah. They spent uh, a long time focusing on, on their parks and people coming to them for the attraction. And, and with COVID, they've had to rethink and put more of an emphasis and priority in, in their, uh, their streaming services and their, their studios and their, their content and things like that. That. And because of technology, they've just been able to make that shift and the parks are coming back and all of that. But we've, we've all seen the impact of Disney Plus and, and getting that content to all of our homes. And uh, I think many organizations are using technology to be able to have that kind of agility right now uh, brought on largely because of, of COVID and other factors.
0: It's interesting. And It hadn't occurred to me whether Mickey Mouse had still um, had a job at the moment, but I'm, I'm sure he's... some. Um always been tough yeah
1: it's <laughs> yeah. just one example out there there's others too but there's just one example I think that uh, everyone can relate to
0: yeah look on a, on, a, on a more serious note what do you see in terms of the transition in you know critical supply chains and how organizations in critical industries like you know maybe airlines uh, resources energy utilities managing that
1: you know, I think COVID is um, forcing companies to reexamine their supply chains and, and parts of their supply chains. And I think, David, that certainly Australian companies that are in essential services, essential businesses, are are taking a look at the parts of their supply chains that, in a post-pandemic world, they may feel are more. Uh, vulnerable to disruption through an event like uh, what we're going through now, and they're they're looking at uh, how they can have more continuity of that and and what they need to do to to ensure uh, safety of supply. Covid is is really forcing all companies, i think, to in part be a little bit more focused on how they can ensure to their customers that their products are traceable trackable won't won 't introduce uh, risk uh, in their use and, and things like that and and so I think a lot of companies are are uh, are focusing on that type of thing right now and and, uh, and and looking at particular parts of their supply chain that way.
0: This is something that we we spoke about recently as well as um, the potential role of AI and machine learning and data science in actually helping organizations adapt their forecasting to what you know what is going to be a far more complicated job in the future. I mean uncertainty seems to be like the part of this never normal.
1: Definitely Definitely uncertainty is, is is just going to be even more so part of our future, all of our futures. And we talked about AI and machine learning and, and that sort of thing, and probably a bit on the front end of this, but uh, as organizations are thinking about what parts of of their service model, they want to maybe bring more on shore or get a little closer to Australia or what factors they have to uh, work with now. COVID has provided a world with many more variables to consider than before. And so when you look at a, a, a company that already had very complex uh, forecasting algorithms to try to manage and produce on a on a nightly or twenty four hour basis and, and 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 the way all of those variables need to be managed you know organizations sometimes don 't have the the platform, the technology platform, or the business processes that can support getting all of these variables managed and considered in a, in a timely basis that that fits the timing of the business. And so Mm. I think we're going to see companies use more machine learning, use more AI to to try to augment their existing uh, forecasting processes and and work through those variables uh, much more efficiently, uh, much faster, just because there's so many more things than before to have to uh, consider. Mm. In In companies that may be looking also at bringing more of their customer service function onshore may not find they have the talent uh, locally to, to do that, at least in the near future. And so the, I think we're going to see a, a rise of automation uh, in the customer service area as well and more use of bots and, and automation uh, and things like that as, as companies are trying to figure out all the ways that they want to be interacting with people through digital channels. I think that's another area that we're likely to see. We're both
0: in the technology space, so slightly biased probably, but um, it, it would appear that technology is going to be even more important um, for businesses in across multiple sectors moving forward. So, by extension, do we anticipate that the the CIO itself themselves will be a more you know central respected figure, particularly in in, in larger organisations? Is that something that we could sort of anticipate?
1: I, I think it's already happening David as, as I like to say the CIO is back um, huh. and uh, hit it here
0: guys. Hit it here, folks
1: <laughs> <laughs> no really I, I mean look to uh, who everyone uh, was turning to in in, in in terms of the initial phase what I was calling survive uh, COVID in terms of business continuity and just making sure that, that we had the systems and the, and the capabilities running to run our businesses CIOs were very much involved in that hmm. one of the one of the central aspects of that. Um, now, if you're running a business where most customers are expecting you to work with them from their homes, mm-hmm. obviously that means you've got to have more of a digital channel uh, and a digital means to interact with them. And again, CIOs are, are all in, involved in, in that whole digital agenda that way. And, and then even going forward, I think in a post-pandemic world, in a, in a post-COVID world, this opportunity that we were talking about earlier to reinvent the business and make sure from a technology standpoint that the IT function is very, very close yeah. to the business objectives. If technology was aligned with the business strategy before COVID, and that's the last time that you've done that, it's time to do it again, even three or four short months later, because the world has potentially changed that much. So it's especially a time right now for CIOs to make sure that they're very close to their business businesses very close to the potentially new priorities that the business is having to deal with and make sure that they're uh, in different ways, you know, centered around that new agenda. So, uh, yeah, the CIO is, uh, I believe, always has been very important. And it's times like this where that comes back in terms of that strategic application of technology to a business's, you know, Mm -hmm. objectives, new, new or existing.
0: Certainly some interesting times ahead. Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Wonderful insights.
1: My pleasure, David. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: When we think about the disruption the COVID-19 pandemic has caused so many organisations, communities and people, it's hard to imagine any sector feeling the brunt more so than healthcare. Now, not only did the virus force a total realignment of normal operations due to people having to work from home, the actual health crisis it created made the job of doctors, nurses, nurses. And key support staff vastly more challenging. And joining us to share his experience is Alastair Sharma, Chief Digital Officer with Brisbane's MARTA Group. Alastair, welcome to the CIO show.
2: Thank you, David.
0: Alastair, give me an idea about how large MARTA Hospital or the MARTA Group is.
2: Yes, certainly. So, first of all, we deliver services right across the state from Townsville in the north down to Brisbane, Redlands and Springfield in the south and a range of hospitals in central Queensland as well. So in terms of employees, over 9,500 this year, we delivered over 82,000 occasions of service in emergency space. Yep. Um, over 500,000 patients were cared for in our facility mm. and also over 12,000 babies born from our maternity service. Uh, in total, we've got 15,000. 150 beds. So that's, I suppose, the scale of services that MARTA provides across the state.
0: So like a a very big operation. Talk me through how you and your team responded to COVID-19.
2: Yes, so firstly was really about setting ourselves up for planning and how we'd respond, get ready for the response phase. So that included, firstly, a focus on the physical changes of services that we needed in our facilities, so particularly the setup of a fever clinic, the um, movement of wards, et cetera, so that, that we, were re- we were well prepared mm. for a spike in COVID cases. So that was, I suppose, our first focus. Sure. The second was the rollout of a range of collaborative tools that enabled the staff to work from, ev- from wherever they needed to, so particularly for corporate service and support functions to be able to work from home and work remotely. Uh, but secondly, for our clinical staff to be connected. And so leveraging our investment in the Microsoft platform and particularly Teams has been a critical part and seems one of the successes of our response. By that, we rolled out a number of Microsoft apps on the Teams platform, sure. one for our communications internally, but secondly, to support our out-of-hospital care, so particularly enabling our clinicians to deliver great care at matter at home. Uh, the third one was really about our data analysis capabilities, so particularly enabling our planning team to have a look at what are the scenarios around our readiness to respond to a spike in cases. So, mm. again, providing information about where we ha- our workforce profile needs to be, what we saw in terms of the trends of what we were seeing through our fever clinic, uh, as well as in, in our inpatient and in our matter at home services. So we had full visibility, of where we were, but mm-hmm. also what the impact of certain scenarios and, uh, would be as well. So we're better prepared for our response. So, so in it was, terms of summary, um, mm-hmm. physical uh, moves and changes in responding in that space to the collaborative technologies that enable the teams working on-site as well as off-site to, to be able to work effectively. Mm-hmm. And then three, our data analytics capabilities.
0: So it really was very much data-driven, wasn't it, particularly in terms of, of enabling you to better you know, forecast and respond to this challenge unfolding, right?
2: Yeah, I think COVID's taught us anything. Is it, is it, we need to be able to have those insights, whether it's in responding to a critical incident and emergency scenario that um, COVID has demonstrated or even in terms of how do we respond to specific needs of a our, of our patient or our consumers as well. Data and ALIC is going to be a critical piece for us to continue to invest and improve over the next 12 months.
0: Sure. and extraordinarily, you were also in the midst of a merger. Tell me a little bit about that. That must have been,
2: yeah, must have been unbelievably uh, difficult. <laughs> so uh, I, I suppose we're in the process of, of merging three different organisations. So our services in North Queensland, Central Queensland, and then also in Southeast Queensland. So the bringing together of those three organisations, yeah. which I suppose, from a, a organisation perspective culminated on the 1st of July for two days ago with everyone being on the one ERP now. So um, that was the first, uh, you know, uh, a key milestone for us. And so the team did an amazing job of getting the network connectivity, the collaboration between and the integration between our respective identity services in Active Directory and then in terms of enabling that ERP solution as well. So a collaborative effort a range of teams, not just in the digital space, but across the organisation to, to achieve that.
0: Now, I, I wonder whether perversely perhaps the um, the, the fact that COVID nineteen forced this sort of acceleration of projects and, and and certainly, you know, caused people like you and your team to really focus their attention on applying digital tools to managing this has do you think that this has actually put you in a in better stead for for managing the merger?
2: I think for me, it has. Uh, yeah. it, it, it highlighted the criticality of the digital piece, whether it was the, those physical moves or whether it was the collaborative tools or, or the data analytics. It, it's really highlighted and provided a, a greater focus on getting things implemented yeah. and to removing barriers, whether they're technology barriers or whether they're resource or change barriers, removing those. So I think that's demonstrated we can do that. Yeah. Where there is value and where you can demonstrate the why we're doing something yep. uh, and COVID was a good reason why, but in terms of it, it's a good lesson for us is that we can actually do things if there is the will mm. and there is, uh, I suppose, the storytelling around the why we're doing a change as well.
0: Sure. I mean, p- people are talking about this, you know, this new normal. I guess there's, there's really nothing normal about what, what you had to deal with them. What, what role do you see yourself playing in, in managing the, you know, some of the, the key cultural challenges that you're inevitably going to face post-COVID?
2: I think in terms of, for me, it's really about what we're calling the three Vs, if you like. So one is really about living our values. We are very much a values based organisation. Yeah. So embedding with everyone from our frontline service staff through to my, my leadership team is about demonstrating that living the values and supporting each other um, to live up to those values as well and how we work together, mm-hmm. um, and how we provide services. So mm-hmm. that's what that probably our priority what our priority V, if you like, the yeah. living the values. The second is really about for each individual feeling that they are valued. And as part of that, I suppose, is being in an agile and rapidly changing environment is that they actually feel that they their role is being valued and that they feel valued and also particularly in the, the COVID spaces that they felt safe. And mm. I suppose that was a demonstration for us as an organisation, that they were valued as people, first of all. Thirdly, is that they feel that they are delivering value. So again, alignment with strategy, um, and I suppose our role as leaders of, of the why, and why it's important that we're delivering things. And COVID was a good example as well, about making sure the frontline staff understood Priorities were and how we were responding and being ready, and they could then understand that they were delivering value. Sure.
0: And has it has it changed how you view yourself as a technology leader? Not just as a technology leader, but also as a you know a leader or member of the executive team of the organization.
2: Yeah, I, I think it, yeah, it reinforced my view that first of all, I am a member member of the executive team and, and a leader first within the organization. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I suppose in terms of supporting. Uh, and being passionate and, and supporting my other executive colleagues in addressing the problems they face, whether they were in the clinical leadership and responding to the COVID, uh, whether it's from a financial or a HR or other uh, elements of our organisation, I see myself, first of all, as, as being a leader there to support them. Sure. Secondly, is then really about the criticality of being an advocate for, uh, for our digital capability mm. and being the thought leader around that. So I suppose... Two complementary but critical roles as a leader and as the chief digital officer for, for the matter. Sure. Um. Firstly, as being a, a, a leader across the organisation and supporting uh, our strategy and our culture and alignment with culture, mm-hmm. and then secondly as being, I suppose, that thought leader around digital.
0: And how do you see the rest of the year panning
3: out?
2: Oh, I think in terms of our our merge our activities are really just now ramping up now that we've got across the line with that moving to one ERP. Uh, We now have the same focus now on our payroll HR systems, uh, the merging of our email systems. So I suppose from a corporate perspective and support perspective, there are three key priorities for us over the next 12 months. Secondly is continue our digital journey and if you like an integrated digital ecosystem of solutions with a number of partners, including Microsoft in this space to deliver, I suppose, a real value to our health and wellbeing services across the state, not only in the hospital, but um, outside the hospital. So uh, again, we're looking at some pretty ambitious agendas in that space and particularly in the in-home about how we actually integrate with biomedical technology, uh, improve consumer experience and get real-time feedback from our consumers in in the home and outside the hospital as well. Sure.
0: Some some very interesting and challenging times ahead, no doubt. Alistair, thanks so much for joining us on the show.
2: Thanks so much for your time, David, and please stay safe. We
0: can all agree COVID-19 has done a complete number on the travel industry to the extent that it will likely never be the same again. Mass redundancies at Qantas, and Virgin going on to life support are just two of the biggest stories, with hundreds if not thousands of companies directly or indirectly reliant on the industry pushed to the brink or beyond. Not only will the sector have to develop new systems, processes, and products that reflect whatever new reality emerges, but the core customer, travellers themselves, will be forever changed. Conventional wisdom about where and how people travel for how long with whom is now less useful, but one area possibly tipped to experience a strong resurgence when things resume is travel insurance. Now, Nikki Doble is CIO with Australia's Covermore Insurance, now in by Zurich. She had first-hand experience of the unfolding implosion. Nikki, welcome to the show.
4: Hi, David. How are you? Thank
0: you. Great. really appreciate you making the time. Talk me through your experiences experiences of the past three to four months.
4: Oh, look, well well it's been nothing short of uh busy and I'm someone that loves a fast pace, but even I'm kinda like a, a little sit down would be good. <laughs> <Is that laughs> be <right>? good <laughs> <laughs> but but look it's it's been challenging and 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 which it has been for for every everybody, you know, and and I think the reason why it's not you're solving multiple problems, yeah. Indeed, so there's the, yeah. the 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 urgent day today problems that you've you've got to solve in in um well you know with us we had people ringing in for claims and medical assistance so there's those day-to-day decisions and then you know at the same time you've got to do well what are some practical tactical decisions we need to do and and at the same time keep your eye on the ball that there's still a business strategy that's got to be executed so it's, Mm. it's a lot of juggling at the moment that i think everyone's dealing with so yeah, yeah, it's using all parts of our brains, that's for
0: sure. Well, it's interesting that when travel stopped and the planes, you know, stopped leaving the tarmac or leaving the airports, mm. from your point of view, obviously this this crisis represented, I mean, not aside from the operational challenges that you have within your own organisation and your own staff, but your customs, of course, are stranded all over the place and have uh, actual well, real medical emergencies.
4: Yeah, well, that's right. So, yeah. I mean, we, we had you know, a couple of, of, of things going on. I mean, first off, there was the, the initial response and it, and it built a little bit because it was happening in Europe first, but then mm. it, it, it came very much like a wave across across to us and and so we had unprecedented demands with people that had booked travel that were ringing up to see could they claim against it what they wanted to cancel and, and I think at the beginning too if you remember people were just trying to postpone because yeah. they thought it might just be a bit of a delay yeah so you know we were dealing with that and then of course we were dealing with people that were still on holiday and you know f- fell off their their moped in Bali and needed medical assistance and, and people that were you know dealing with
3: yeah.
4: um the covid or, or or the fear of covid that needed to be repatriated back to australia so mm. i think our our call volume went up you know 80 80% um in those early days to a point that we actually set up a different uh, second call center uh in the cloud in in four days straight oh you did that's deal amazing with, yeah, yeah. With, well yeah cuz the call volume was was crazy, and we couldn't put up an IVR to say we'll be with you, or or you know you're the hundredth and fifteenth in the queue. If yeah. you're ringing up with a medical, <laughs> assistant, you need to be answered within twenty seconds. Yeah. Um, and because you've you've got a medical condition, That's we can't right. let yeah. you wait in the queue. So yeah. Yeah. so we had to kind of deal with 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 that happening as well. As long you know, as well as we no longer had a product to sell yeah you know so so we had to make those operational decisions at the same time but um the, obviously the priority at all the times is like we've just got to service these yeah. these customers first and we will we'll, we'll work ourselves out after it's calmed down a bit
0: sure and so had you ever had to um, erect a a, a call center in a matter of, matter of days before
4: <laughs> I often laugh because I've got a I've got a a sticker on my um on my laptop that says I built my data ba- uh, data center in five minutes, you know, yeah. and um, it turns out you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought the sticker was lying, but um uh, and it, and we probably uh, could have done it faster except we've got very complicated IVRs. Yeah. Um. So I have to say I was very very impressed and uh, I won't be so skeptical now when I when I put the sticker on my laptop to say that I can do something in a few minutes
0: so talk me through what you actually did for our for our audience how does one build a virtual data center in a couple of days
4: oh well <laughs> you've,
0: you've, you've got some very
4: talented staff working for you and you've got a good relationship with you uh-huh. with your partner uh-huh. Um uh, I'm sure. So, you did, I'm yeah. sure you did
0: a lot more than just delegating and chilling out, though.
4: No, no, no. We, <laughs> it was it was very hands on. Really. Yeah. There was a lot of people in my office, a lot of whiteboarding going on, and yeah. and uh, because you've got to, play, um, you know, you've got to keep the business calm at the same time, and yeah. and I think, look, I think it was it was, it was I guess it was good in a point of view that it just gave the business so much space in IT Mm. um, that when the chicks were down, we were able to come um, front and centre for them because we're a global business as well. So we're across 22 countries. So it wasn't just dealing with the Australian market. It was like, well, I've got Overflow Call Centre in Manila. How am I going to get them off? offline and yeah. um, you've got the cyber issues and all those sorts of things around as well. So, you know, it, it was yeah, a lot of whiteboarding, a lot of working relations, you know, working with your vendors because at the same time, everybody else is, is asking the same things from the vendors. So
3: mm-hmm.
4: um, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of tech people and a lot of tech companies kind of sh- uh, shone during that period um, and and came to the forefront.
0: I, I, without a doubt. Now, I understand that you've had a few other um, technical projects that have been sort of brought forward, accelerated or even expanded. Tell me about the work that you're doing with your travel tracker and geolocation applications. Yeah,
4: sure. So I think I, I'm fortunate in that uh, covermore and, and obviously Zurich are quite strategic companies. So I know uh, some companies have had to to fall. But what was really good about uh, you know, the decisions that that we got to make is that we went actually, you know, what we're going to bring spend forward from 22, 23. We already had our global tech strategy done.
3: Yeah.
4: Uh, and so we looked at that and went, which ones do we bring forward? So we've brought a couple ones based on where we think the markets are going to recover
3: yeah.
4: um, first. And and one of those is that we, you know, we people will change what they care about. Um, now moving forward, and they'll be more comfortable sharing technology, uh, well, sharing their information with with us through technology. In the view that they that's will get assistance when they do, it. yeah. So more, more engaged
0: and more trusting of tech across the board. Well,
4: that's, that's yeah. yeah. Well, I think because well, before when people go on holiday, they used to think that they were bulletproof. Yeah. yeah. So most of the claims in Australia will be based around. Um, you know, they lost their luggage or their plane was delayed, mm. where now they're going to care about, well, actually, can they get me home if I get sick? Yeah. Uh, because they realise that just because you're in a different country now doesn't make you, you you know, you, you're not infallible because you're on holidays. Yeah. Um, and because of things like downloading the COVID app and, and whatnot, um, we we had this app in development, like I said, we bought it for, which is our travel tracker app, and, yeah. and it basically does geolocation. So we continue, um, if you're going into an area that we're saying is, um, you know, we don't believe it's safe, mm. to mm. so do you know you're taking that risk? Um, you can ask to be contacted after a particular number of days to make sure that you're okay as well. Oh, that's and of course, yeah. that yeah, and so, I mean, that's good for COVID, but it also, you know, it's... It, there are other events like when we all stop talking about COVID, we'll start to realise there's other things that happen in the world as well. So you know, <laughs> um, you know, so that that kind of technology, I think we'll will see a, a, where it will. We're very much expecting a, a much larger adoption and. Previously we'd kind of said, well, that would be for that demographic. So millennials are quite fine in sharing lots of personal information. I think now you're going to see now that Nana and Pop are using zoom and and all those sorts of things that people are going to be much more comfortable with the adoption of of digital technology. With the view, the trade off is we'll keep you safer yeah. because of that.
3: Yeah,
0: because it has a real kind of personal, practical application. It's no longer an abstract sort of thing, really, isn't it? It's people yeah, and are seeing it's it as directly making, associated with their well-being.
4: Yeah, and they, and 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 they've been forced to think about it. Where in the past they haven't been forced.
0: To, to necessarily
4: think about their health and safety mm. while they're travelling,
0: you know? yeah. Now, with all of these vastly larger number of people that are downloading apps, as you say, and this this kind of trajectory is, is, is no doubt going to continue into the future, you're collecting probably more data than you would have imagined that you'd be collecting at this time of year. Um, I understand also that you've deployed some machine learning technology to help you manage that data and 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 sort of garner insights from it. Is that right? Yeah. So
4: the machine learning. We, we sell two ways. So we've got B2C and, um, uh, B2B. Yeah. And so the machine learning, like, we like, our success depends on our partner's success. So we, we'll sell through partner websites as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, as a white label. So, um, we've focused on that machine, uh, learning piece. To to go well, we need to help when the like we've got to work out our own recovery path, but we also need to provide products that when our partners get back on their feet, they're you know generating revenue as well. So what can we do in that space to to make them more competitive? So yeah, we're we're working on a, a machine learning product that basically inserts itself in um, to the online buying purchase path in real time, right. and it will come up with different scenarios. Yeah, so it's pretty. It's pretty cool, actually. So uh, that, that should be ready to launch very shortly.
0: And so that's, I gather then that, that that sort of has implications for how you think about and manage your supply chains, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. So certainly, I'm, I mean, our, our, our partners are something that the whole industry, it's not, you know, it's, it's not just like the whole industry co-op. Yeah. So we've we've got to look at yeah how we how we support our um vendors and and we've seen some really great support from our vendors you know on our supply chain as well. Like I said, you know really showing the strengths of some of. The- the partnerships you have with your, your tech suppliers, yep. um, especially when it's under pressure, you know, and, and the ones that are very transactional when it just comes down to cash and, and the ones where they're really leaning in, um, yeah. certainly, you know, you, you got to remember them when, when things are hunky dory in, in 12 months time and you've got your big budget back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I assume also that you um, are taking steps to develop more targeted products for customers also and of, so, I mean this sort of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the conversation about you know people being more um, you know conscious of themselves and, and and more cautious in how they travel and I, I, I suppose that sort of got, that translates into um, in some ways a more complicated market right
4: yeah we'll, well we'll look at more of the experience that we're getting to people so before people would just buy a policy yeah. now they kind of want well, I'll buy my policy, but what else is, you know, what assistance does that come with? What, yeah. what, 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 yeah. what safety next there? So that's full experience. Yeah. Um, as a business, uh, you know, one from a marketing perspective, but just because, you know, we've, we're, we've got to be careful with our cash as well. We're being very targeted, um, as to where we're going to next. Yeah. Um you know it's not going to be a, a scattergun approach where before you know we would probably have a policy for for lots of different things now we've we've got set policies and, and new policies that again are all part of um an over experience but mm. yeah, much more targeted as to this is what we this is what we're offering and we you know we'll have less things to offer but they'll um be more comprehensive
0: Sure. Most of the people, that, the CIOs that we've spoken to, you know, since March this year, agreed that COVID, whilst initially felt like um, a career, if not life-threatening, um, crisis for many, for many CIOs, they've actually, it's been an opportunity to to shine. I mean, is that something that you have felt within your organization? Uh,
4: look, uh, yes, uh, I, I. It's it's nice to uh, <laughs> to say it's nice to. I was at um, you know, I presented to to the board. Uh, well, maybe two three weeks ago, and and it's nice to have the CEO sit there and go, "Wow, IT really managed to to support our business yeah, all through indeed. that path." So that's nice because you know it could have gone either way, but I think that just. Um, you know, if you're making good decisions and those sorts of things, like, you know, lots of times because IT's running, no one really cares and it's only when it breaks. Yeah, so indeed. I think this yeah. is an opportunity <laughs> for everyone to go, it's not just when it breaks, like the sound decisions we make now yeah. um, actually come into play when you want us to scale up and scale up differently very quickly. So that was that was really good. Yeah. Um, so it gave us that opportunity. And I think now, you know, it's presenting a different opportunity for us in that, um one, we're going to start playing with some pretty cool tech, like, you know, machine learning and geolocation, like, you know, you, yeah. can, you can you can get your geek on for that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so, and I get to do that in a quicker period of time. So mm. I think certainly at the, um, you know, I'm on the ELT. So at 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 that level, they're definitely looking to tech as to, more, more so than before, we've got to execute this business strategy. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to get us there? When before it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, business will do their thing and technology will support. Now mm-hmm. it's very much like a, we know we're hand in hand in this and, and, um, and in some cases actually, um, you know, techs, techs taking the lead as to, well, actually you should be looking at this and forget about. Forget yeah. about this bit. This is where we can take you. Let's jump the curb. If we're going to do this, let's put two boots in and, and uh, go for it.
0: Yeah, well, Nikki, it sounds like there's some uh, fairly interesting and exciting times ahead. Thanks very much for joining us on the COO Show, and we look forward to having Thank you back you. on again soon.
4: Excellent. That would be great. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Ron Penman is the Global Head of Technology with retail Retailer T2T. Ron, welcome to the COO Show.
5: Thank you, David. Great to be here.
0: Awesome. Look, as, as a retailer, I mean, you, you guys must have felt the, the brunt of COVID-19 pretty hard. Tell me about, you know, what went through your mind when it was apparent that, you know, this, this, lockdown, this lockdown situation was getting really serious.
5: Yeah, it was uh, quite, quite the interesting experience. Mm. A lot of lessons learned, to say the least. It definitely shifted train of thought around uh, key importance mm. on the business. And we noticed the way that customers were interacting with us greatly moved. We had to, once the government did put out a mandate to restrict uh, people in public, obviously close our stores. And that had an impact on the way we were providing our product to our customers. So we saw a great shift in the supply of channels, pressure on our supply chain, and a huge shift towards our wholesale uh, market, such as for supermarkets and also for... Supplying customers directly online,
0: and you, you were you found that that customers were obviously because people were staying from staying at home, they were drinking a lot more tea. So, whilst they weren't coming into your stores because they couldn't go into your stores, you saw you saw demand increase in in those sort of alternative outlets such as the major supermarkets, right?
5: Yeah, definitely. We uh, noticed a shift and movement of the way people wanted to interact with us and how they wanted to buy. Mm. Uh, it, it seemed to be a great opportunity in a way that people were taking. Time to live it, live it up at home. I guess you would say, and yeah. still buying our good quality product yeah. and getting it delivered directly because they weren't in the office anymore. So, yeah. I guess it was a little bit of bit of good fortune. <laughs> <yeah>.
0: <laughs> but I
5: suppose, look, it was it was good fortune,
0: obviously in terms of in terms of sales. But that must have meant, you know, that you had to really completely rethink your you know your supply chain strategy, right?
5: We certainly did. Mm. Uh, there was a huge. Impact on the way we were working in the supply chain and the distribution centre. Mm. There were, let alone the standards of safety that had to be provided to the workers, which included split shift and split areas uh, where they could have lunch or breaks. We had to divide those teams up and then still try to have a high level of throughput for a greatly multiplied amount of web sales orders mm-hmm. as well as those uh, supply chain changes for supermarkets
0: a lot of the organizations that we've spoken to for the podcast and also for cio.com um, have indicated that that many of their projects were were brought forward that you had a major new website in development i understand that that you had to that you paused that and i mean for obvious reasons you you, you were concerned about you know there being disruption to an already disrupted s- situation that you you then doubled down on your existing website. Tell me about that. That was a fairly interesting uh, quirk about your about your situation. I thought.
5: Yeah, definitely a way for us to reduce risk was to not make a change to such an important uh, channel, mm. our customer facing uh, website. Uh, the site that we currently have, it, it's not that it's horribly old or horribly underperforming by any means. But we were looking to upgrade the architecture at the back end by adopting the new. Version of it, sure. so it was a it was a very good, uh, de risking step, and we it still allowed us with the platform we're on to add functionality that would benefit the customer and still drive growth in our business.
0: Now, a, a core uh, service or application that, that that website supported was the click and collect feature of your of your service. Tell me about that. I mean, obviously, that's this was this was really critical during COVID.
5: Yeah, click and collect in particular was a huge focus for us. It, it allowed us to protect our customers as well as our store team and give us control as we started to reopen our stores. Mm. Uh, Having a procedure that you could follow for the customer to interact and be able to come to a store and pick up their product that you knew had only been handled once, you knew the time the person had attended. Of course. Uh, It was touch free with no cash. It was uh, just pick up and carry. greatly reduced risk for all parties. And as we have seen now with the possibility of second or third waves or whatever, yep. we always want to avoid this type of thing occurring.
0: Mm. So look, talk, talk me through more broadly the challenges you see at pivoting so so rapidly in terms of you know supply chain systems.
5: Uh, broadly, the impact of those pivots. It's, it's mainly around people that the impact occurs, yep. shift, shifting your mentality yep. and how you go about dealing with the pressures of the change. Mm-hmm. We were fortunate to have updated our warehouse management systems. So we had quite a flexible platform to work off of. And we were previously already aware that there was always going to be a shift over time sure. towards, uh, web, web shopping. Uh, ecom is a huge channel. Uh, for a business such as ours and so many others even though people still love bricks and mortar you have to have that flexibility so we were we were fortunate that that pivot could occur as long as we could support the basically the brute person power that's needed in the warehouse
0: sure now this term "new normal" has been bandied about. Personally, I, I, I hate it, but it is useful for um, for our purposes. Obviously, digital retail had been on a you know shut, huge um, upward trajectory over the last couple of years, and now given a real a real kick with with COVID. What do you see you know in the future in terms of you know T two's um, online retail presence and, and business?
5: Yeah, I, I don't know myself about the term "new normal." I I just see it. <laughs> <laughs> I do agree there. Yeah. It has definitely been an accelerated change that I think would already be in the pipeworks of occurring. Sure. So we're very lucky to live in the time that we do with the technology that we have and um, being able to be agile in the way we service our customers. I think as I, as I felt for quite a long time, this change was always coming. This is just forced the issue mm. and made everyone rethink how their normal day can be mm-hmm. and their normal practices uh, have to be. Sure. So so the flexibility you have as a as a person that's at home, being able to shop online and have a full range of options that suit you, being able to pop out and grab something, being able to have something delivered to yourself or a different address. Um, being able to go through catalogs, understand a product, understand everything about it online, you know, be it at 10 o'clock at night, it just doesn't matter. Nothing has to be impacted by the time and location that you're in. Sure.
0: And as you mentioned when we spoke recently, New Zealand is obviously coming back online and also the UK is moving, you know, closer to to some sort of normality. What have been your observations there in terms of, you know, perhaps change customer behaviour online or change customer behaviour um, in store and how are you sort of, you know, navigating that? It
5: definitely felt like when, when the government's allowed people to come out and start shopping, it was like the floodgates opened. Sure. I I think people were, were getting sick of probably being at home to say the least Mm -hmm. and a change is as good as a holiday. So people were definitely taking advantage of being able to get out to the shopping centers all around the world. Uh, so you, you definitely noticed, uh, traffic changes, without sure. a doubt.
0: The, the, the click and collect uh, service was obviously critical during sort of harshest periods of lockdown. Are you seeing that that, that is, is still a popular, perhaps an increasingly popular option for customers, even if they are able to go into the stores and shop normally?
5: Yes, definitely. It's, it's a higher number than we anticipated it would be. Yeah, right. But the mix has, again, gone back to a higher level of flexibility where people are going back to delivery, it's a mix of click and collect with a mix of just going into stores and shopping and enjoying that experience again. Sure.
0: I mean obviously having staff that are accustomed to working in you know, in retail. It's such a physical job. It's it's so much about personal interaction. I mean, how are you helping staff kind of, you know, come back to to that environment and, you know, having been sort of taken away from it so abruptly?
5: Yeah, that that's actually a, a huge change. Any change that we've experienced I think is Quite heavy on the human psyche mm. um and having one minute thinking you might be losing a job to the next minute coming back after a few weeks, thanks to you know governments making the right decisions behind stimulus and whatnot
3: yeah.
5: it's It's hard for people to sometimes refocus, but people in our business number one is all about safety, making sure our customers and our team members are safe, mm-hmm. and making. Sure that the right amount of people are in the stores, the cleanliness factors are kept up so that people do have access to to hand sanitizers and items such as that it's It's just key to almost like you say the uh, new normal, but just where we're at at the moment, we all hope
0: so this 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 big fancy new website that you um that you delayed i mean what's what's the what's the plan for that for the rest of the okay. year? I mean can you give us some sort of indication as to as to how that project's progressing and when you expect to go live with that?
5: Yes, it's uh, going along rather well and the, the somewhat forced delay for that project is allowing us to add a few little extra bits of functionality that I can't quite give away. Oh, is that um, right? <laughs> <laughs> but there, there are some really nice little changes. The main, the main thing, as many of us uh, would all know, is, is the focus on mobility. Yeah. So ha- having a website that has an architecture that focuses on mobile platforms can rescale or be scalable when people are interacting with it and be a high performing site that allows access from anywhere is key nowadays. So that is one of the main things that we're going to achieve.
0: There's some learnings that you've derived from the COVID experience, which are are actually now informing this new website development.
5: Definitely being able to prioritize how people will want to interact with us. Mm being able to refine the ux and ui experience and also heavily focusing on accessibility for the next website
0: ron thanks so much for joining us on the show and we look forward to having you back on again soon and uh, and all the best with getting back to normal in the retail space
5: not a problem thanks david thank you
0: well thanks for joining us we hope you enjoyed it in our next episode we get into the white hot and vexed topic of it project failures I think we can all agree there's been some doozies over the past few years we invite you to join cio editor-in-chief byron connolly for some very candid conversations with leading cios analysts and vendors themselves about how and why big it projects go over time and over budget and what can be done to improve the situation we hope you can join us